I know how to write. You get it? I can spell. I'm a medical doctor by profession. On the 4th of November, 1993, as a medical doctor, MBCHB. So I can write, I understand English, but I can't write my teaching notes. I've tried and I've given it up. So it's like it's been going on for years. I've tried to write my thoughts and put it down, but I just can't put my thoughts together. So when I find somebody not only put his thoughts together, but systematically written on different subjects, different topics to guide us, I find it very amazing. And indeed, it's a treasure that if the body of Christ would humble themselves and take it, it would take us far. I know sometimes we get over spiritual. And we say, you know what? We will want everything direct from the Bible. The Bible is the only word of God. It's true. But you see, think carefully. When you are in a very dark place, when you are in a very dark place, in that dark place underground, or wherever that dark place may be, it is dark where you are, but it's not dark everywhere. Are you with me? Now, for you, what will be your breakthrough will not be the sun. Because where you are, Satan has managed to obstruct the penetration power of the sun to bring light to you. So where you are, for you to come out, a small phone light is all you need to escape what Satan has done to prevent you from receiving the sunlight. You see, the phone light will not give you vitamin D. The phone light is not as bright as the sunlight. I agree with you. But that phone light will be your deliverance because of where you are. You know, and, and sometimes you see people argue and say, these books, why should you do this, this, this? Listen, the books are somebody's little light that God has given to him to guide many people who are in dark places to come to the real light. Are, are you with me? And, and some of us, you see, when you read, you don't understand. But the same scripture, somebody reads and explains to you, and your, your jaw is almost dropping. I mean, sometimes you have read a scripture about 50 times until somebody points it out to you that this is not the only message that this scripture has. And therefore, it is humility. It is a display of humility to use the lights of other people to your greater light, which is Jesus. Hallelujah. So let us have, because the church work, you know, there are people who write out of theory. And there are people who write out of practical work. You see, and, and when somebody writes out of theory, their examples or their writings are examples. In other words, they can't give you an example of themselves demonstrating the truth of what they are saying. 
they always have to give you examples. If they choose to put in examples, it will be other people's examples. But what they are saying, they have not lived it. But you see, we have a writer, or we have a pastor, we have a, a, a person who has not only lived out, or is, is not only writing truths of the word of God, but he has also lived it out. He has also lived it out. I mean, how many pastors are there? Not many, there are, but not many. Who buy a building and they don't go to dedicate it. And the building will be in use for four or five years. And it's like it's going on. He just sees pictures of the building and says, buy. As a church. And he doesn't bother to come and dedicate. And we, I mean, most of us, we will dedicate every single kitchen we buy. <laughs> Do you get it? Huh? So, so what it means is that what it means is that the person has really advanced in ministry. That even if he wanted to do that, he couldn't. And such is the is the author whose books we are having this conference on. He bought. He instructed me on a picture to buy this place, and he has not seen it with his eyes. Yes. I also recently bought a land that I have not seen. <laughs> I'm following the anointing. Amen. So I believe that we're going to be blessed as we prepare to receive the servant that God has prepared for this conference in the person of Bishop E.A.T. Saki, the assistant, the direct assistant of the founder of Lighthouse. Hallelujah. Now, let's get into the business of the word of God. In Matthew chapter 16, and the verse number 18, Peter would give in the preceding verses, Peter would give a revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus will confirm that this revelation is not anything that you were taught from school or by the books written by men. But you have a direct communication with the Father. And he has revealed to you who I am. And he said, based on this, you're going to be, whether some people say it's Peter, some people say the truth of who Jesus is. Well, whichever one, it's okay. We, we, we go with both. Whether Peter, Peter said the truth. Whether the truth, the truth is the truth. So whichever way, we go with it. But he said, upon this truth, I will build my church. But he was, before he could have finished saying I will build my church, he was quick to add that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, in other words, the gates of hell, and that is to say Satan and his activities against the building of the church would happen. 
was very quick to add, I'll build my church. And he said, the gates of hell, not may not, shall not. You see, shall not means that it, it will never prevail against it. And which also implied in that statement, what can stand before what I want to do is the gate of, gate of hell. That, that's, Jesus, Jesus is the one speaking here. It's not Peter. It's Jesus, the son of the living God. The one whom we believe as a son of God. That is what it means to be born again. That Jesus is the son of God. Not Jesus is a prophet. That Jesus is a good man. No. Jesus is the son of God. Are you with me? Yeah. He is the one talking. And saying that he will build his church. And he was very quick to add. That the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the battle is won. But it also tells us that there will be a battle. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not depending on how you conduct yourself. You don't, it has nothing to do with, with, with him. He knows that what he's doing, Satan would come against it. It's a fact. The question for us is, will Satan come against it? That, that's the question we must bother ourselves with. Because I'm a pastor and I'm serving the Lord Jesus, ministering his word to the people. How, Jesus has declared that Satan would not prevail against it. In other words, Satan would come. So the question I must ask myself is, how will Satan come? Because this is very important. If you don't know how Satan would come, you would discover that you have become Satan's assistant. No, this is, this is very, very important. As part of of the body of Christ. This is very important. It is not that we will not have the power on our side. If we remain on the side of Jesus, it is not that we will not have the power to overcome Satan. It's not about power play. That is also certain that the power of Jesus Christ would has overcome already the kingdom of darkness. But you see, for that power to be in your favor, you must be on the side of Jesus. But if you don't know how Satan would come, before you realize you are facing the power instead of the power being behind you. You see, that was what was told Saul. When he set himself to eliminate heresies and people that come and say, this, 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 that. He was busy because Paul was a good Pharisee, a good one who was strict and practiced it to the highest level and would not tolerate anything that is not serving God's interest or anything that wants to call itself God. He would not allow it to be extinguished. He would make a, an active effort to eliminate it. But you see, what he didn't know 
unfortunately, was that he was actually, instead of being on the side of God, he was facing God. Hallelujah. That is why as pastors, as church members, as church leaders, we constantly must pray to God to give us a revelation of how the enemy would want to come against the church so that we are not found on the wrong side. Because mind you, mind you, we are not born born again. Are you with me? We are born actually sinners. We are born sinners. So up until we met Jesus, Satan knows us through and through. And he knows how to manipulate us because the guy has been manipulating us for a long time. We came with his nature and he knows his nature and therefore knows how to work his nature to accomplish his purpose. Hallelujah. And therefore, we need to also learn his ways by which he comes to us so that we will not be found to support Satan's work. And Paul, who was a great builder or is a great builder of the church, warned us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 or indicated in his conversation, you see, in his conversation to the church of Corinth, he was talking about forgiving somebody so that he, he will also forgive. And verse 11, he says that because if we don't do that, if we don't do that, if we don't walk in forgiveness, if we don't do that, Satan will take advantage of us. And we are aware. You see, he says, because, and the reason why I'm giving you this instruction, he says, is because I am aware. I am aware. I'm not ignorant of how he works. But I'm sorry to say that most pastors, including church members, are ignorant about the ways by which Satan works. Oh, I don't need to know anything about these things. I just want to focus on God. You see, if you focus on God, he will teach you the ways of Satan. And show you that this is Satan. This is not me. He will teach you. So you need to know. You need to know for your own safety. Before you realize somebody that you have set out to help God. Not to help God because you can't help God. You get it. You know, how is it that you can make a mistake where you think you can help God? I mean, who is helping who? You can't help God. You can't work for God. You work with God. You work with him. Because he is the one that is using you to do his work. Not the other way around. You have nothing to offer. No, no, no. You must tell yourself the truth. That you have nothing to offer. Are you with me? Yeah, you have, look, in all honesty, we have nothing to offer God. We have nothing to offer God. He takes your vessel. And as you are submitted to him, 
to bring glory out of life. Huh? He brings glory out of life. He makes you do what was unthinkable for a sinner like you and me to be able to do. To turn many unto righteousness. Hallelujah. So, Paul says that, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Do you have another English version? I call it English for African students. Because, you know, we are not English people, we are Africans. Some version says king, some of it says wilds of the devil. So Satan may not get the better of us, for we are not without knowledge of his designs. And you see, what I'm saying, if you think it's not true, in that verse or in that same chapter of Matthew 16, when Jesus spoke about the revelation that Peter had and how connected Peter is to God. Because you can't receive a revelation from God unless you can hear from him and unless you are connected to him. So when Jesus affirmed Peter's connectivity to God, you would have thought that Peter would have been sailing all the way out. But a few verses down the line, Peter was called Satan. Take us back to Matthew 16. A few verses down the line. <laughs> the guy that was hearing from God began to hear from Satan. Because, because his very nature is the nature of Satan. It is when you are born again that you take on the nature of God. Or the nature of God comes to reside in you and you have to put away the nature of Satan. Hallelujah. Now, then Peter began, or Peter took him. Because after a while, we are friends. You see, we see Jesus very big. But when Peter was with Jesus, it's like, ah, my man. Because for Peter to say, can I, Jesus, can I tell you something? Come, please come. Let, let, let's talk just in private. Do you get it? What are you talking about? What, what's this thing? I mean, why? Look, you just had a revelation. You are confirming that is God, that you are the son of God. So why are you talking about death and all this? What, what, what is that need to say? Is this how to talk? I say, Jesus. I say, so Peter began to rebuke him. I mean, you don't rebuke somebody that you don't consider yourself at a certain level with. So, the Bible says, and Peter began, he started to rebuke him, saying, be it far from you, this shall not be unto you. I tell you, none of us in our churches and in our natural understanding will see this as a rebuke. And we see this as something wrong with it. You see, most pastors, assistant pastors, when they talk like this, say, what's wrong? Shouldn't I tell you how I feel? I mean, but this is obvious. This is common sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because this is common sense. Bro, the, the, the ministry is starting. Look, we had jobs. We've left our jobs. 
You, you know, remember, three chapters later, Peter asked Jesus, you have left all and followed me. What shall we get? If you are saying rich people can't enter into the kingdom, does it mean that we are condemned to poverty? Hey. Which, which business? Because listen, we were in our fishing business. And we were gradually progressing. You said you, you make us fishers of higher commodity. Well, at the end of the day, it should translate into our prosperity. So if now we are hearing you talk about prosperity that people cannot, who are rich can't enter into the kingdom of heaven, then does it mean that we are not going to be rich? Hey, Jesus, please, I think we have not sorted out this portion of the contract. You know, we didn't really sort it out. So can we, excuse me, please. So what's in it for us? What's in it for us? Say so we have left all and followed you. What shall we have? And Jesus said, we have enough. With tribulation. Amen. Let's go back to where Peter was called sitting. I want to show you something. You see, and began to rebuke and say, Do we cast out this? This shall not be unto you. Now, Jesus gave us the definition of Satan in his response to Peter. Because if you say you address Peter, as Satan. And he gave the reason. He gave the reason that made Peter be addressed as Satan. And he said, this is the reason. The reason is this. Please go to the next verse. The reason is this. He said, the reason is that you Savor all, you focus not on the things that be of God, but on the things that be of man. So, 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 please give us, give it to us in English. You don't have New Living Translation. You don't have, what versions do you have? Okay, we can, it says, you are a danger to me because you mind, your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, if you analyze this definition of Satan, Peter didn't sleep with anybody. Peter didn't smoke. And Jesus was not calling Peter a Satan because he was smoking or a drinker, or whatever it is. I mean, none of those things that we magnetize so big in the church make it an issue. No. It doesn't mean that we should allow it in the church. Do you get it? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to say is that, according to Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus said, Satan. And you see, in the English, when you say, when you put two dots like that, it means what I'm coming to say after the dot is explaining what I have said. I didn't like English, but I think this one I had to learn it. He said, You are a danger to me. Satan, what makes you Satan is that your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of men. And I can tell you that 
it is this mind that is on the things of men that makes Satan successful against the church by people from without. Ah, Pastor, what are you saying? You see, the same Matthew, a chapter before this chapter, Jesus addressed the position of what is dangerous. And he said, the things that come from inside, it's not the things that come from outside to inside, but the things that come from inside to outside is what destroys a man. And of course, that is also what destroys anything that we build. And that was the only occurrence in the ministry of Jesus that brought success to Satan in killing him. They had tried to kill him up until Judas offered to assist for 30 pieces of silver. Judas offered to assist. And it was, it was one time successful because Judas was inside. And you realize that if, if, if you stick to the definition of what Satan is, you realize that a lot of us have been operating as Satan's. The comments you made, the comments you made about whatever was being done before, does it advance the interest of God or does it advance the interest of man? Don't, don't define Satan as some God. Just, this is the definition Jesus gave to us as, or one of, at least this is what he said. He may have said other things about Satan, that he's a liar, he's a murderer and things. But this also is a definition. we were to be careful and analyze deeply our statements, our actions, we would categorize them between the actions and the statements that advances the things that be of God or that advances the things that be of man. Hallelujah. That is why the subject of loyalty is very crucial. That is very crucial. Because you see, when you understand the subject of loyalty or faithfulness, dependability, reliability, do you get it? You will not be disloyal to God. You will not be disloyal to his Christ. You will not be disloyal to his body. And you will not be disloyal to one another. It is, it is because we don't know. You see, that, that is why Satan will be very happy to keep you ignorant. Because once you are ignorant, when you look at this definition, it doesn't take long for you to operate in it. You see, unless you are very smart and you have analyzed deeply the things that advances the interest of men and not the interest of God, Satan would always use you. Because when Satan went to Adam and Eve, he didn't teach them about all the big hives that we magnify in the church. He just told them that this tree 
Il est bon dans ce qu'il est. 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 It may not benefit God, but as for benefiting you, I'm very sure it will benefit you. Yeah. He said, it will make you wise. So Satan, why don't you eat it? Oh no, me, me, I'm wise already. I know what these things are. I know, I, I know it. It's you that I'm concerned about. You see, you are my concern because you are the one who is left out. Me, I'm okay. I was with God in heaven. I know a lot. I'm sorted. I'm sorted. I just want to help you. It's about you. But you see, if Adam and Eve had learned or known this definition of who Satan is, they would have told the serpent that it's not about us. It's about God. So if God says we shouldn't eat it because it's about him, we would obey him and not eat it so that we will not be wise. But most of us, I tell you, most church fights, splits, disloyal comments, and all those things, it's, 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 it's coming from something that is affecting me. Mm-hmm. Most people will not fight and pick up a quarrel because of God. No, 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 no. Ah, you see somebody is having high blood pressure because somebody, he wants the church to go far. No, no, no. No. Very few people. Very few people. You see, one, once upon a time, it's not, you see, once upon a time, it sounds like I'm telling you a story, but it's a true story. It's based on a, 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 a true happen. A, a, a wife came to me. Fuming. And threatening to leave the marriage because of problem of infidelity. It, it was not concrete as in terms of like the guy has even gone to sleep, but it was more like there were signs. That of course, the guy has had a history before. I mean, he's always denied it, but these things, unless like the woman that was caught in the very act, everybody will deny it. So, she was fuming, and I tried to negotiate with her. You know, don't do that. Da, da, da. It's okay. Just leave him. Let him just, at least he's managed to give you children. I mean, no, he married you. He was not, he was able to give you children because somebody would have also married you. And by this time, your other people would be children, children. So, whatever it is, it's okay. Let's, let's leave it there. And it's like, she was fuming. Every advice I gave her, she wouldn't listen. Three weeks or about a month down the line, the husband comes and says, I'm leaving the church. And the wife says, I mean, it's after her talking. But all of a sudden, the wife was like, no. So I told those around me that, you see, this is a mystery. When she was offended and see what happened, she was willing to leave the marriage. But she will never risk the marriage 
This person was pastoring a church that was growing. This person was pastoring a church that was moving forward. But today, as we speak, the church is finished because she followed the wrong path. And I said, she, she, the same person was prepared to give up the marriage because the marriage, the man has cheated on her or supposed to be cheating on her. But the same person would never give up the marriage for God. And most of us sitting here, we, if they came, if she came to us, we would never advise them to let the marriage fall for the sake of the work of God. We would never. Satan, thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. I, I said, I said, if, if she goes anywhere, if, if she goes anywhere, nobody would advise her to leave the marriage or let the man, if the man says she's leaving the church and you, you see, she understood everything about what the man is doing and how wrong it is. And gave, gave example of how the man deceived her one, two, three, four, five, all the way. But I said that, I told her that I'm surprised at your calmness. Because two to three weeks ago, I've seen you and the display of your potential, of how strong you were wanting to leave the marriage. But when it came to the church, you want to save the marriage because of the children. Thou savorest the things that be not of the things that be of man. <laughs> you see, if we are to be loyal to Jesus, many of the things that we are promoting will lose their host. Yeah, because, because nobody will say to the brother that break a marriage or let the marriage break because of the church you are pastoring and what is happening. They'll say, oh no, there are other churches. There are, yeah, that's what they'll say. But the same person, the same person was willing to break the marriage because the man has cheated on her. But you will not do it for the sake of the church. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. And the key, the key there is this, thou savorest the things that be not of God, but the things that be of man. And today, today, the church is full of savoring the things that be of men and not the things that be of God. From our preaching, from our preaching and our emphasis, from our preaching and our emphasis. And the thing is that if a man is disloyal to God, who else will he not be disloyal to? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you took notes. When I started preaching about Jesus, I said the son of God, and I said this is what it means to be born again. Then a lot of church members don't know what it means to be born again. And if, if you like, if you like, Take a pen and paper 
And every day you go out, look for somebody who says they are born again and ask them, what does it mean to be born again? Because it is hardly preachable. All our sermons have to do with us and us and us. All our sermons has, you see, we are the center of the preaching. Not God. Not God and the things that be of God. No. No. We use God as an aid to advance our personal agendas and personal blessings. That is why when God anoints us with power to do miracles and healings, we, we use it to advance our personal popularity, not the popularity of Jesus. Whether it be through power or not is irrelevant. Because some of the powers are free. Now, some of the prophetic powers, they are free. Mm -hmm. You see, even if they are not free, their success is based on our disloyalty to God as preachers in our churches. Recently, I went for, not recent, some time ago, I went for a conference and they were talking about these prophets and like it is something. I've forgotten even the topic. But they were discussing how to also incorporate some of the prophetic things into our routine services and things as to, so as to prevent the people from having our church members. I didn't say anything, but I said in my heart, Let's, and people spoke and started condemning these prophets and things and condemning them. Please don't condemn anybody whose source you don't know because you may discover that you are condemning something that God is using to rebuke us. And we'll be dealing with God. Do you get it? So don't, don't, don't. If they say, what do you have to say? I say, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. The reason is that, you see, what we have done doing in our churches is that we are preaching and stirring the appetites of our people for materialism. Based on our sermons, we stir their appetites for materialism. But unfortunately, because we are disloyal to God, he doesn't back us with his heart. So the people are hungry, but we don't have the power. We've preached them into it. And we've told them how the power of God can make them have it. Are you with me? But unfortunately, because that is not what God has sent us to preach, he's not backing our preaching with his power. So then, I don't know, whoever it is, raises these people that can deliver what we have promised our people. So if, if you do proper analysis, Bishop John, it, it is our fault. Because the people will not buy something they don't have The people 
will not buy what they have no appetite for, no matter how abundant it is. It is when we have created the appetite among Christians for materialism. Are you with me? That makes the selling points, the unique selling points of these up-and-coming anointed source craves very special. If you have preached me that God is going to bless me to have a car, to have a this, 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 you have preached me God is going to bless me to marry, and I will marry, and all that, and then you've been praying for me, and I've not been able to marry. Then I got a testimony from a few friends of mine that went to this next door anointed servant of God or somebody else. No, I'm just, I just need to cover myself. I just need to cover myself. Because I don't know whose servant they are. It could be of God or somebody else. Do you get it? And your friends are coming with a testimony. And you have been preaching. I see God blessing you. I see God giving you this. I see God. And you've been saying it for the past four years. Do you get it? And I'm, I think time is running. This friend of mine went. The pastor didn't see. He just gave. He prayed and it happened. So why should I not leave your church and join the church? After all, they are also talking about God. And does it matter where we serve God? God is God. God is everywhere. So if here will answer my needs, and you have preached me about how God will answer my needs. So we, you see, if we look critically, we, we, to be blamed for the success of all the people that we call whatever names we want to call them. Hmm? Their success hinges on our disobedience to God. Their, their success has come out of our disloyalty to the gospel message. Yeah. Today when you preach about Christ and him crucified in the church, it's like you are preaching basics. But when Jesus sent his disciples to go and preach, he said, go and preaching that they repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The mess, you see, the message of salvation, because we have not given ourselves to it, we have not even explored the well of blessings that is in salvation. You see, this book, Why is it not here? It's a loyalty conference. And loyalty starts loyalty to God. Let's start to God, not to man. To God. As pastors, as preachers, as Christians. Because one of the, one of the signs or one of the areas of disloyalty is when God is expecting you to do something and you don't do anything to enable you to do it. You are letting, you are, you are unfaithful. When Paul wrote that, for the time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. It is a disloyal behavior. 
that I'm expecting you to be here. I'm expecting you to be here and you are still there. You are not reliable. You are not dependable. You are not trustworthy because you have neglected to do what you should have done to make you become a teacher because you were part of my program to lift, lift up a multiples of teachers, multiples of preachers of the gospel. But because somebody has preached us into materialism, we have focused so much on materialism that when we wake up in the morning, we don't even do our five time. If you think I was talking about somebody else, I'm here. When you don't give time to learn about your salvation, your cost, and its provision for your life, when you don't spend time to know what has been done for you and what was involved, Therefore, lead you to also do for others. You understand that? You understand that? I said you understand that. Yeah. Because you see, God is depending on each and every Christian to be a Christian. I said God is depending on every Christian to be a Christian. Because if you are a Christian, the power that is in being a Christian will ignite wherever you fall. Yeah, You don't have to wear a title preacher. Your daily life, your behavior, even the power that will come out of your words would cause people to turn unto righteousness. The woman who went to tell, you see, the woman at the well of Samaria had not gone to Bible school. And, and, and neither was she sincere. Yet, by her testimony, a whole village, a whole village, somebody that is known in not a nice way, Have you ever asked yourself why she came to the well at noon? When the sun is up. When the sun is up most. Have you, have you ever asked yourself why? You know, that's for another discussion. But even a person like that, when he en she encountered Jesus, she thought of her village. The village from which she was hiding. The village from which nothing good was said about her. She thought of her village. I said she thought of her second village. She didn't think of herself. She thought of her village. And left her bucket. And went to the village. And said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be? I don't know. You are the Bible scholar. You know everything. Me, I don't. You know me. You know me. You know me. Yeah. But the way this man is speaking and what he told me, I sense that he's not an ordinary man. Please come and check. And the village came. And after he told her, he believed. 
now, not because of what is happening, but now we are hiding from the Father. And we know that this is the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. Since you got born again, who has been born again because you got born again? We don't, we don't, we don't talk about it in the church anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't talk about it in the church anymore. We don't, because if we did, if we did talk about it in the church, that since you met Jesus, who else has met Jesus because of you? If we did talk about it, we would discover what is lacking in the people's inability to tell others about Jesus. And that is what we'll be teaching every Sunday. Not the things we teach. I said, not the things we teach. Not the things we teach. Not the things we teach. And then the person who teaches these things is boring. And when we come to church, we sleep. Because our appetite has been, if, we, if I start talking about, I see God lifting you up. I see your promotion coming. You see how you all be awake here right now. You take everything. What you are taking, I don't know. You get it? But, but listen, listen. If we were to be loyal to God, if we were to be found faithful to the good done to us by our Savior, we want to check and know all that it took. And indeed, the salvation that we have, what it entails, so that we can have a message to tell others. Yeah. But, but the things of God is not our interest. Even when God is thinking about the whole world, and gave his only begotten son, you are thinking about yourself and you will give nothing for anybody to benefit if it doesn't benefit you. Now God is thinking about the whole world. That's his problem. Me, I didn't create the world. Me, I created, I mean, he created me and I have to think about myself and how to have a good life, how to have a comfortable life. They say he has power to give me that good life. That's why I came to him. Either he gives it in the next two years or I try to help myself. Listen, if we were to be found faithful, all of us here would be interested in this book, how you can preach salvation. Me, when I saw this title, I, I, I wasn't thinking about preaching salvation. Because, you see, the book is written telling us or approaching the gospel of salvation from different angles, from judgment, from love, from the blood, from things. I, I want to actually know what really Jesus has done for me. Because sometimes a thing is done for you, but you have no idea what has been done for you. You see, the person who taught you how to read and how to write, has done for you far more than the person who taught you how to be a doctor. Because there's no way you can be a doctor if you never knew how to read and how to write. But you see, you see because we don't do deep analysis, we don't apportion 
to the people that we must apportion the right level of honor. Most of us don't respect our primary school teachers. We don't respect our primary school teachers. But you see, whether you, you grow up down or you grow up straight depends on what the primary school teacher does. Whether you grow to like maths or not depends on who started teaching you maths. And, and that's, you see, so me, when I take this book and I'm reading it, I'm not, I'm not reading it with the mind of how I can tell somebody. But I'm reading it with the mind of what really has been done for me so that my gratefulness level will keep increasing. Because you see, when you know truly what has been done for you, no amount of demand from God would make any difference. Please, I think you should you should just grab a chair and just take this chair and sit down. Yeah, sit down. Thank you. You're standing behind me. I'm talking about salvation. You see, when you go deep into the well of salvation and you understand that the death of Christ on the cross and your deliverance from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom, what it entails, when you know it, there's no amount of effort you will spare in becoming what God wants you to be. To be a light. You see, it will give you understanding and you realize, ah, looking at what has been done for me, I should spare nothing in pursuit of the light that I am. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But the question is, are you the light of the world? Are you the light of the world? After you have met Jesus, are you the light of the world? Or you are still the darkness of the world? Where you are, what light has come? But you see, he said, let your light, in other words, whether the light will shine, that is what you are. But whether you will shine or not depends on you. If you are not shining where you are, it's because you have decided not to shine. If these globes, whatever it is, they are 200 watts, unless they, they get connected to the current, you will never know what they are. You will never know that they have the ability to turn this place into dough. But it depends on them connecting. And because many Christians don't know, we feel that whatever we have to do to be what God says we are is too much. And that is why they say Thou severest the things that be not of God, but the things that be of men. Thou severest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. You see, disloyalty at its highest level. We are disloyal to God. That's why we, we, you, you see, I printed this book. And sold it cheaply to my church members. Just this book alone, I'll put you on it. The pastors themselves are not making sure that the church members have it. 
They don't care. It's sitting there. Because that's not our interest. Salvation. No, 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 no. We want something more. We already saved. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to know about salvation. That is why also there's no power in our lives. God, if you disobey him, why would he back you with his power? And that's why there's no, you see, when we gather, there's no power in our midst. Have we not realized? Because we are disobedient. We have gathered not for his purpose. We have gathered because we are expecting him to give us something. Organize a prayer meeting and tell them you are coming to pray about souls and see how many will show up. And organize a prayer meeting and tell them you are coming to pray for divine provision and prosperity and see the prayer meeting attendance. Yeah, if you like, give it a try. You'll see. People who don't come for prayer meetings will come. I said, people who don't come for prayer because thou savorest the things that do not, that be, that savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Hallelujah. So I'm preaching about this loyalty, but you see, how can you talk about other things when what we are called to do, we don't talk about it? No, no, no. I will be disloyal even in my preaching of disloyalty. No, 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 I don't want to be found. Lord, help me. Deliver me. Hallelujah. Great. So, listen, if, if you have heard what I'm saying, you must make sure that this book, you want to know everything about salvation. It is written to give you information to tell somebody, but in fact, it's an information that you need. Before you tell somebody, you need it. I need it. I want to know. I said, I want to know. I want to know. Salvation and the love of God. Salvation and judgment. Salvation and the change of ownership. And all those things that are involved. Amen. Good. So we are still on disloyalty. And it says, that severest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And the same Jesus also tells us that the distraction, the things that come from inside will destroy us more. That is why we must know details on the subject of loyalty and disloyalty. So that when, no matter how subtle Satan brings it into our lives, we will pick it up. I said we will pick it up. You see, as a doctor, there are some diseases that have different manifestations. That show up the same disease, but it shows up differently. And the, the, the agent causing the disease has the power to affect every, every part of the body. And depending on you, it manifests differently. Now, my training and the training as a doctor is to be able to learn to pick up the disease wherever it is. And that is loyalty, disloyalty. We should give it attention so that we learn it because, because. You see, loyalty or disloyalty will spoil a big church. 
look, it can reduce a church that is doing well to a church that will close down. But, but, it also spoils even more a church that is small and is yet to grow. Because you see, a church that is big and is doing well, if the pastor were to put himself together, you see, and has remained faithful to God, the anointing of God is upon his life. So if he's able to overcome the effect of disqualification, he can grow again because he's anointed. And the ministry is a person, not a group of people. Ministry is a person. The anointing on a person is what brings forth growth. It's a person. It's a person. So when, when you have followed God and worked with God faithfully, and you have been able to grow a church into many things, even if you are broken down, you, can, you cannot easily be taken out because you are anointed. Unless you decide to walk in bitterness and other things that is ungodly. But you see, the small church, the pastor is yet to walk in the anointing to a certain level. Let's put our hands together first. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Lady Pastor Elsie, you're welcome. You see, disloyalty wipes out a big church. But the effect is more pronounced on a small church. Let me explain what I'm saying to you. You see, when a child is born as a baby, the brain which controls every part of the body is small and yet to grow. Therefore, a small damage manifests as the child is growing as a big damage because that small area, let's say, if that area is supposed to be as a baby, this is the size that is damaged. As an adult, this size actually represents, let's say, this all this times two. So when you damage this as a baby, you have damaged a bigger area than you think you have. And that is what happens sometimes when a child is being born and the labor is difficult. Then you realize that a child is born and they are floppy. But as they grow, then every part of their body is stiff because the oxygen lack affects the area of the brain that is going to actually control the muscles. So, the, the muscles in the whole body, the child is, we call it spastic, stiff, can't do anything. And sometimes the child begins like a, a, a baby, never grows. But meanwhile, the area of damage was small. But you see, that small part represented a very big thing. And the same thing is disloyalty. When the church is small. You see, when the church is small, you need people to support whatever you are doing. And whatever you say, if 100 people or 50 people, everybody say, we are in it. 
But you see, when you have a disloyal member in the church or members in the church, you see, you just have 50 people to stand with you. And 20 of them have a divided mind because of a comment that somebody is making. Is he called? Is he really? So when the person is sitting there and believing what you are saying, they are actually analyzing what you are saying. So about your 20 people are not with you. They are not with you in the sense that they are not sure. And about 10 are actually Satan's agent that join your church. And here you are trying to manage the 20. And the 20, 15 of them are new believers. They just got born again. So you think that you have 50 people working with, but you actually have five people. But everything you say, you have some disloyal people that are poisoning the minds of people. And you see, they say it in a very subtle way. Do we really have to do this? Is, is it really in the Bible? Should we? And so, and you see, what happens is that, what happens to most pastors is that they don't believe, most pastors don't believe the message of disloyalty. So they don't study it to see it when it is actually playing out in their midst. So they, they see disloyalty playing out, but they, they actually, actually support it. One time I entered a church of one of our pastors, please, I can't hear myself. I entered a church of one of our pastors. Then I asked him, why is this guy taking, being the one to introduce you? I don't know the guy. I said, this guy is not with you. I said, let your wife be the one to actually do what you are doing. But you see, sometimes some men, we are also not smart. Yeah. Sometimes we are not smart. You've chosen this guy that you don't know, and your wife, who actually was pastoring a church that was growing, you have neglected. Because maybe you have disagreement in the house, so you want to show her where power lies. It's up to you. You have to be wise. You need to know, sort out how they you, She can help you at the beginning. And most wives are very helpful at the beginning. It's only when they get stronger that they begin to. Whatever you say, they now have something to say. At first, whatever you say, they believe you and they are with you. You know, yeah. So I told him, that, why, are you, why are you allowing this person? I said, oh, Bishop, you came from one of our branches. I said, no, I wouldn't do that. Look, less than a month after, the guy, he discovered that the guy had started a church in his house. I don't know the person, but I could see that this person, this person doesn't believe in you. I said, as soon as I entered, he said, Bishop, how did you know? I said, I don't know how I knew, but I told you. Because, you see, you don't believe it. So you condone it. You condone it. You, you actually promote the person. The person who doesn't believe in you, you are actually promoting to be right under you and by you. You are promoting the devil. Your church will finish. And no wonder most churches start, but they don't grow. Because you need loyalty. You need you, the unity that loyalty brings. Because the word of God says that where brethren dwell together, there God commands his blessing. And for the church to grow, the blessing of God must be present. The people must be of one mind. The people must be united. Listen, and, and even, even, you sometimes you find out that when a pastor starts his ministry, he's also trying to grow. 
So he, he's not confident in himself and needs the support of loyal members to say, Pastor, you can make it. You are called. You are anointed. For them to even believe it. That, that what you don't want when you are not confident is a straight face when you are preaching. <laughs> I tell you, it's like a few people are laughing and then you see some of your so-called leaders or people you think are helpers. They have a very straight face. And then they are on their phone sometimes. I mean, trying to. Eesh, you are not sure whether you are saying the right thing or not. After a while, the same person, you will grow in confidence. And you, you, because your knowledge will, so many things about you would increase. But what you need at that time is people to make you and to help you to believe that God is with you. Because it's faith. Faith. You must believe that God is with you. And you will see that God is with you. So when you have in your midst, when you have started, people that are questioning whether really God is with you, you yourself are questioning it. Then you have people also that are questioning it. So it's like, is it, is it that obvious? So you come into the pulpit, the Spirit of the Lord tells you, do this. And you say, ah, are you sure? Spirit of the Lord, okay. Anyway, maybe it's my mind. And then, before you realize, you have disobeyed. They say, call the, make another call and pray for the people. And I say, hey, wait a minute. You see, since when did I start praying? You know, before. Before you realize, you say, I'll do it after. After the service. I'll call the people and pray for. Yeah. Because, because you have in the midst of your congregation, doubters. People that are actually giving you the message that I mean, there are better ones than you. The truth is, there are better ones than you. But where you are, you are the chosen one. And God is yet to unfold his grace upon your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. So as we prepare ourselves to hear from Bishop Saki, Bishop Saki is an anointed man of God. By the grace of God, he is an example of the message of loyalty. And you know, 